give an introduction. Good evening. Today is Wednesday, October 4th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is step 12 in working with others, and our speaker tonight is Betty C. Thank you, Betty. Hi, everyone. This is Betty C. And in a rainy Washington state, and um, I'm glad to be here with you tonight. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, I was a latecomer to this program. I've got 30 years in Al-Anon, and I only arrived here six years ago. Um, I just never understood how I could be so high-functioning in other areas of my life and an utter failure with food. I just couldn't get it. Um, I, I, I was, I was thin most of my life because diet and exercise, diet and exercise, and, and and but the disease had been chasing me my whole life. It's not like I was free of it. It just by appearances things looked okay on the outside, but inside I was on the hamster wheel of diet and exercise. So um, six years ago, um, I uh, had. Uh, hit my bottom. I am a sugar addict and I ate an entire pan of brownies, all but one square. Mm -hmm. Why I left that one square. I guess I thought I wasn't that bad if I left the one square, right? And so (laughs) that still baffles me to this day that I left one square, but oh boy, my body was not happy. Uh, Within the hour, it was coming back up. My body was rejecting all that uh, sugar and fat. And, uh, I had never had that happen before. I could eat just so much food and not have any consequences for it. And I was sick all night. Uh, in fact, I couldn't leave the bathroom. I couldn't even go back to my bed because I would be coming back so soon. I just stayed in the bathroom. The next morning I call my Al-Anon sponsor and I said, look, this is what I'm doing with food. And I realize that I can't keep doing this. And so she told me about some big book meetings. Um, They were phone meetings. We didn't have Zoom at the time. They were phone meetings. And she said, they have a high level of recovery there. Why don't you check those out? They're in the morning. Uh, You can find it at the OA. She didn't even give me the number. She said, they're at the OA website and they're big book meetings and they're early in the morning. Well, it turned out they were vision for you meetings and uh, she didn't know that's what they were called, but that's what they were. I got, uh, thank God, I got the nerve to call in and at least listen to one meeting. And I wept through the entire meeting and the one, the one the next day and the day after that, because I realized this is a thing that there, this is what's wrong with me. I, I, I saw that they had it identified and they had a solution too. And so I was willing to stick around and find out that solution. And um, boy, did I just, the places you will go in this program, it is such a marvelous journey of self-discovery and healing. And um, just so many things are possible uh, with the 12 steps. Um. I really connected with my faith in a strong way in the 12th steps. I 
have shared in many meetings that I'm a recovering Southern Baptist, <laughs> and <laughs> but I love my childhood faith. You know, don't get me wrong. It's just a joke. But I had to connect with that God in an adult way, uh, in a way that that I could comprehend and understand. And um, the process of the steps helped me to get some closeness there. And I had that understanding that with my relationship with food, um, God was pretty much blocked out. You know, I, I just... I, I didn't just have him in the driver's seat. I told him to get out of the car. I was going to drive and I was going to be in total control like I was in everything else in my life. But this was the one thing I could not control at all. So um, I found a temp sponsor and I, I my temp sponsor was the lady that spoke at the special edition that Sunday. And she was from Atlanta like me. And uh, I live in Washington now, but I'm a Georgia girl. I called her up. I can't believe it. Only God could make this happen. I didn't have the nerve to do those things. So I called her up and and she said that she was very busy, but that she could temporarily sponsor me while I found a permanent sponsor. And um, we talked a lot while she was at the airport. She had to fly out every Sunday night to her job. And then she flew home every Friday night. But she stayed in touch all week by text and email. So if I sent her a question, you know, when she was done with her workday, we would catch up and, and link up through text and email. I got a lot from her. You know, I think she could have sent smoke signals and I would have gotten a lot from her. I was so hungry to figure this out and uh, how this had disabled me my entire life. So tonight we're talking about working with others. So I arrived here, my journey began. And um, I was thrilled to be here. I, the very first meeting, 12, over 12 people called me after the meeting and left messages on my voicemail or talked to me directly uh, if they got a hold of me. If I was talking to them, all the rest went to voicemail and they all left messages. I was dumbstruck. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, who does this? You know, I couldn't imagine that kind of concern for a complete stranger that you hardly knew. Well, I was about to find out how that could happen. That's how I ended up where I am today. And um, so in chapter seven of working with others, I'm just going to just go over that first paragraph because it's really special. It says, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion. Carry the message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they are ill. And the good news is that life will take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends, this is an experience you must not miss. You know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. That, in a nutshell, is it. I mean, frequent contact with newcomers and with each of you, 
some of you I already know in this room and some of you I haven't met yet, but I, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm at home and I think I got muted. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, anyhow, I was saying the, the, I'm at home in any of these rooms. I may not know all of you, but I know you would, you understand my story, that this is a safe place to tell my story. And I am not, um, it's not like going to the hardware store for milk. You know, you, I don't have to explain it to you. You understand it. So um, <clears throat> the 12th step is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So I've I've always said that the Cliff Notes version of the steps is to trust God clean house and help others. And so there's a lot that happens in those three things, the trust God, you know, those first three steps of trusting God and, and making decisions to trust that higher power that we maybe haven't been connected with for a very long time or haven't met at all yet. And then the, the action steps, we clean house and do that inventory, give it away, um, uh, work on character defects, make amends. And then we get to living in 10, 11, and 12, where we are actually helping others. So, so what about this spiritual awakening, huh? That we were promised. Um, when we experience a spiritual awakening, um, we have become able to really do and feel and believe that which we could not do before on our own resources alone i it just wasn't possible for me before working these steps and we i found myself able to experience honesty on a new level tolerance on a new level for sure unselfishness like i had never felt before peace of mind that was the big one for me i was fearful of everything I had a much larger fear inventory than I did a resentment inventory. I can tell you that it was triple the size of any, any resentments. So, and, and I also experienced a level of love um, that, that I had not known before. So how did I get here? Um, well, in these steps, step one, I found that <clears throat> I was totally unable to be rid of the food obsession until I was willing to admit that I was powerless over it. And in step two, I saw that since I couldn't restore my own self to sanity, some higher power must do this for me to survive. In step three, I turned my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him or that higher power whatever you choose to call it. Step four, I did a searching and more fearless moral inventory. And I found out the things that had brought about my spiritual bankruptcy. Five, I decided that an inventory taken alone, I was taught it wasn't enough. So I had to confide in God and one other person, this inventory. That was uh, to be uh, just an incredible experience for me. 
And then um, it, it was like a seismic shift occurred in me. I can't explain it in words, but I knew something had changed in me after step four and five. I felt um, something had been lifted from me as the best way I can describe it. I had a new lightness in my heart. And and step six, you know, we're we're uh, going to take a look at those character defects and be willing to let go of them. And some of them we may be scre- screaming and kicking to let go of. But there's finally a decision to for was for me to let go of those. And step seven, I actually ask God to remove those for me. It's not something I can do. I did my due diligence in the work, and this is where things. I had to rely on God to do this for me. Um, Eight, step eight, I continued my house cleaning um, because I I discovered I I not only had conflicts with myself, with food, but I also had conflicts with people and situations in the world. And so we made a list of those we had harmed and became willing to set things right. Nine, I followed um, with direct amends to those concerned, except when it would injure them or other people to do so. And 10, I continued, continued, and continued to take personal inventory. And when I was wrong, promptly admitted it. That was the golden step for me that I kept coming back to that I, in my immaturity as a new baby OAer, I didn't see the importance of that step. I know it today. It is very essential um, to have that. And I've got 10 step partners that I call uh, if I need to give a 10th step. And, and I have about three or four people that I know are available for that. And if if I can't find anybody, I'll put it out on, on, a, on an app, you know, anyone, can anyone take a 10th step, you know, and Always, I get a reply right away. <clears throat> so I I got pretty solid in my 10 steps and that that took some practice. It's not something that came I, I it was not something that came easily for me. It was work. Let's face it, digging out you know my character defect, what what was in, in play there. And a sponsor was a big help on that for me. Step 11, we decided that if a higher power, higher power had enabled us to live with some peace of mind in this world, then that higher power was probably worth getting to know better. So that's where I implemented a daily use of prayer and meditation to open that channel and to have a better understanding of that higher power. I discovered that the best possible source of emotional stability to be God himself for me he brought uh, justice and forgiveness into my life and a love that would work when nothing else would. <clears throat> Five minutes left. Thank you. Twelve. I found that I found a wonderful energy had been released for me in step 12. I actually enjoy phone calls and supporting others in their recovery this is not something I did with my own puny power, I guarantee you. It had to be the God of my understanding that brought this about, this spiritual awakening as a result of doing those steps. 
and it keeps growing. It's not like I don't have things to still, I still am working on many things and uh, I still call many people, you know, uh, and ask them, how did this go for you? How did this work? And what was your experience about this? I get so much wonderful feedback from, I mean, I, I, I don't know these people, you know, but they were recommended to me. So yeah, I'll give them a call. And I get so much great feedback from the fellows in this program that are, have that, that are, you know, further down the road on this journey than me. I'm in more than one program. So I get phone calls from others, but this is the only program I sponsor in. This is the mothership of my recovery. And uh, it taught me how to practice these principles in all of my affairs. So another thing I was taught that there are two things a person must have from their sponsor in order to recover. They must have correct information and they need to know that they're cared for. Don't we all need a caring hand to guide us through this work? I like to have, quote, the Starbucks talk. You know, most of them are by phone or Zoom or, you know, there's very few star actual Starbucks talks because nobody lives on this island with me. <laughs> we'd, we'd have a very small meeting of four people, I think it is down to now, um, with the newcomer and find out about them and what they are willing to do to recover. And I explain to them the things that I request of them on this journey. And I answer any questions to help them understand it better. And I, before, before we finish, you know, the talk and getting to know each other, and I share a little bit about my story, I ask them to go home and pray about it and think it over and um, decide if they, they would like to do this work together. I have no power. I let them know right away that I am connecting your hand to the hand of your higher power and that God of your understanding. And that's uh, where the relief is going to come in you co-laboring with doing the steps and connecting with that power. I can give them the correct information and I can guide them to the best of my ability. And, uh, and I do. I, I give it my whole heart. I really enjoy service. It's been a work in progress for me. When I started Al-Anon 30 years ago, I could have cared, le cared less about service. I saw all my uh, other fellows get sponsoring and helping people out. And I darted out the door the minute the, the meeting was over. I just wanted you to, you know, help me fix my situation. And, and I'm done. I'm one and done. Oh, I just, I missed the whole the whole thing uh, of what, what it was all about. It took me five years to get it in Al-Anon. It really did. And it's, it, it's so true when they say that they talk about the Al-Anon thaw, it does take time for your feelings to really come to the surface and be able to speak about what's going on. So um, I, um, I just thank you so much for allowing me to speak to you today. Um, this is what my experience has been, and I hope it's been a, offers you some hope today. Um, I'll put my phone number in the chat for any outreach um, if folks want to reach out to me. Uh, I love to support people in their recovery journey, uh, whether they want to sponsor or not. You know, I, I love to answer their questions. It takes a lot of courage to make those phone calls for a newcomer. 
And I, I will assure them in any way I can that this is possible for them. I had so much fear going into this that I thought, well, I know everyone else got got this, but I won't get it. I just, I just was so fearful that I wouldn't get it, whatever that was. And um, my sponsor quickly reminded me, well, you aren't in charge of this. Remember your higher powers in charge, not you. <laughs> You're not in charge of your weight. You get to make a food blend, but you aren't, you aren't in charge of anything anymore. And so time. thank you. She was tough, but she loved, I knew she cared for me. I knew she was going to do, she was going to give me what I needed. I could feel it in my bones. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you so much, Betty. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order and the Zoom hosts will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. First, we'll go with Meredith. Hey everybody, um, Meredith B. Recovered, recovering compulsive overeater in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much, Betty. You are, you're like a bomb. You're so calming and peaceful. Um, it was really nice listening to you. Um, when you read, uh, you can help when no one else can. That just, I heard it differently this time. And it really speaks to that after you were saying how um, when you went to the meeting, you wept. Like, I don't even, and I had the same experience. I was, the whole thing just confounded me. Um, but there was something in me, like somebody suggested it to me. And um, they didn't even suggest OA. They just gave me a list and told me to pick a pick one, pick a program. And um, but when she said OA, I, it just I knew it. I knew, even though I didn't know what it was. But anyway, I got to a meeting the next day, and even then, I'm sitting. There was maybe five of us there. And I listened to the whole format and the script that they read before the meeting. And I still was like, wait, I, I couldn't wrap my head around that one person spoke at a time and you didn't interact with that person anyway. But somebody um, said that she would be happy to stay after and talk to me. So she did. And for me, that's when it ju I just started bawling and I knew I knew that's where I belonged, even though it still took me over a decade to get recovered. Um, let's see. Uh, when you talked about the spiritual awakening um, and becoming able to do things that we couldn't do before, yes, I identified with that too. 
Um, I think I shared last night about when an opportunity for service came up with a good friend and um, had to do the hospital run. Um, I was actually excited instead of trying to think of an excuse as to why I wouldn't be able to make it that day. Um, I thought it was interesting that you used the word justice. Do you, I don't know if you remembered using that, but um, you said justice and forgiveness. And I don't exactly remember the context, but that was that word has been in my prayers lately. And so maybe that's why it stuck out to me. Um, you know, I'm a big rule follower and I would get so mad like at anybody who didn't time. All right. Um, I'll pass. Well, I'll catch up with you on the phone, Betty. <laughs> Thanks for being here tonight. Thanks everybody. Thank you, Meredith. Next up, we have Clarissa. Oops. Thank you. Um, yeah, justice, that word really stood out. And if you could expand on that, what in what context or what's your understanding of justice or how are you how are you working that into your program? How does that show up for you? If you can just um, share a little more deeper on that, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, you bet. Yeah. Um, to the best of my ability, um, I food is the least interesting thing that occurred for me in this program. Yeah, I, I was able to put the food down. I was able to get to a normal weight. And, um, but to, you'd have to know my background as to why the word justice jumps out for me, because in my family of origin, um, both parents were alcoholic and I was the, um, the fairness police. Everything had to be fair. I made everything fair. And so um, I was able to, rely that God would be just in my life. And that took some doing because I had been the justice, you know, my bestie in OA calls herself the hall monitor. <laughs> we have names for our behaviors and I go, yeah, I'm the fairness police. And, uh, and so I remember my sponsor many years ago, um, we were whining about how things just aren't fair. And she said, Puyallup, Washington is where they have the state fair. She said, you want fair, go to Puyallup. And we <laughs> we did go to Puyallup to a scrapbook conference and we came back and told her, we've been where it's fair. <laughs> and she thought, oh, you goofballs. <laughs> but anyhow, that was her story about fairness. If you want fair, go to Puyallup. So um, uh, we got a, a kick out of her. But justice wasn't a part of my life. And forgiveness wasn't a part of my life. And I discovered that I couldn't expect to be forgiven if I wasn't willing to forgive others, you know, and it's, it, and it was like, whoa, that was okay. Yeah. Well, I would love to have forgiveness for the harms that I've caused. So I, I had to be, yeah, that was you know, this, this work takes time and you won't 
get everything your first time through the steps. But the thing is, is you will be working them the rest of your life with the people that you're working with. When I hear all of you in a meeting, God reveals new things to me all the time. But yeah, I I felt that um, I, I just discovered for myself that the best possible source of emotional stability had to be God himself and and that God, my God had to be just and forgiving and strong and intelligent and loving. And so that is what my higher power looks like to me. Um, um, yeah. So here, you know, there, there is justice, there is forgiveness, there is love like I've never experienced before. And um, that's the best I can explain it. Um, feel free to ask more questions if I wasn't clear enough. <laughs> Thank you, Clarissa, for that question and Betty for that answer. Who else would like to share tonight? Hi, Janice, go ahead. Hi everyone, I'm Janice, um, and I think I'm a member of OA. I, I'm in other 12-step programs, and um, I guess really my question is, Betty, did you, and thank you for your share, it was really, really beautiful. Did you just put down um, Al-Anon and then do OA, or did you find yourself trying to juggle several programs, which is, I think, where I'm at, and I'm not quite sure how to yeah. be effective. Um, let's see, did I mute? No, I'm unmuted. Um, I'm in three programs. Um, I am currently doing the steps in one of them. Al-Anon is, I'm not at currently giving service in Al-Anon because uh, most of my service is in OA. Uh, but I do attend meetings, and I have dear friends in Al-Anon, and I love to connect with them. They don't live here anymore, so I only see them in the in the Zoom Al-Anon meeting. They're living in Arizona now, and uh, the rats they <laughs> they jump ship, <laughs> went down where it's warm in the winter. So um, I I always tell my sponsees work because most of us are double triple winners in these these rooms. And I always tell my sponsees, work the program that has you by the throat right now, the thing that is really taking you out. And um, if it's relationships, then, yeah, get to a CODA meeting and start working with a sponsor about relationships. If it's food that's taking you out, um, get get involved in that program. Um yeah, so that's what I know is I, I, and I feel this will always be my main focus because if I'm not sober with food, I won't be sober at anything else in my life either. My emotions, um, spiritually, I, I, you know, I just won't be doing well in anything if I'm not doing well with my relationship with food. I hope that helps. <laughs> Thank you, Janice, for the question and Betty for that response. Um, I'll jump in and take a, a share here. Um, I'm Victoria, and I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Louisiana. And I just want to thank our speaker for. I really, I really related to 
the mention of kindness, being caring, um, being something important to take into a sponsoring relationship. I feel like in my own journey sponsoring, or I should say I am an available sponsor if anybody um, is interested in um, connecting to ask about that. Um, in my own journey, I felt like I was, you know, at first just people pleasing and whatever the sponsee, you know, wanted to do. Well, I don't think I want to read this. Well, I think I want to eat this anyway. Well, I think, and I was just like, um, okay, you know, and just trying to get, get some, get some sea legs there. And then I feel like, um, at some point it, it switched where I was like, I need to get a backbone. I need to get some boundaries and I'm just speaking my own experience. But then I started to kind of be like, Oh, you you know, it's not my way anymore. And so I felt like I was a little bit, I don't think I was too mean, but more combative than helpful in some, in some instances. Um, and now it's funny. I just had my first sponsee start sponsoring <laughs> themselves and they sent me a message like do people always send you this these weird excuses like do people always do this this and this and uh, we were joke we have a good relationship so I was like oh well here's this message from when we started working together like what do you think about that and you know it just showed like the transformation that takes place and why this work is so important but it also highlights where I have to remember that I'm not so powerful that I could that I can definitely help somebody. I'm not so powerful that I can screw them up. Um, if I had enough power to do that, I would have fixed me way before I came here, you know? And I think a lot of us would have, but thank goodness I am powerless. And I found a place where people want to shout that message from the rooftop. Um, so hopefully, because I need reminding every day, I get, I forget. And then I go, silly rabbit, you're still powerless. <laughs> Um, so thank you for letting me share. And it looks like it is now time to stop the recording for unrecorded shares, if our Zoom host would do so.